Now, Parliament is South Africa's legislature and under the Constitution is composed of the National Assembly and the National Council of Provinces. So does the executive have jurisdiction to get involved in disciplinary issues as as we have seen in recent uh, parliamentary debates. On the forum at 8 this morning, our question is, where do we draw the line between the legislature, the executive and the judiciary? And uh, we'd love to hear your views. We want you to weigh in. Tell us what your opinion is um, or if you have anything to take this discussion further. 891 The lines are open. You can also uh, send us an SMS to 34701. Tweet or Facebook at AM Live. Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. Now joining us for the discussion this morning, Associate Professor Mtende Mago, who is a Deputy Head uh, Dean of uh, School of Law at the University of the Witwatersrand. Thank you so much for coming into our studios this morning, Thank uh, you, Sakina. Prof. Thank you to the list and welcome to the listeners. And we're also joined by the Chairperson of the P- Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services, um, um, Professor Matole um, Motsecha. Uh, Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you, Sakina, and the listeners. Now, uh, let me start with you, um, uh, Prof. Uh, Mhango. When we talk about the separation of powers, that particular ideology, where does it stem from? What does it mean? Yeah, S- Sakina, the, the concept of separation of powers essentially means, you know, don't touch something that is not yours. And it stems from the... Uh, the way in which our constitution was structured. So it's a structure issue of our constitution. Our constitution is structured in such a way that uh, it has created three branches of government and it has given each of these branches a mandate as to what they must do. So as you said in the, in the opening line, the executive has been given the responsibility to implement laws, to develop policies, and the legislature has been given the mandate to pass laws for this country and to hold the executive to account and to also discuss public issues in parliament. While as the judiciary has been given the mandate to interpret the laws and apply the laws of this country. So from there, and how the constitution has been structured, the concept of separation of powers has been entrenched and the constitutional court has confirmed this. So essentially what it means is that each branch of government is expected only to work in the area in which the Constitution grants them powers to do. So they cannot move to do something that the Constitution has not mandated them to do. And that's, where the sep- that's what the separation of powers uh, means. But let me say just two things. Why is it there? Mm, and well, the reason, why is it necessary? Yes, the purpose that it is there is, is this. It is designed to safeguard freedom, the the human rights of of the citizens. It is also there to prevent the abuse of power. Because if one individual, if one branch of government becomes too powerful, there are always a risk that power can be abused. That's why we need to have separation of powers. And therefore, this is also another reason why the Constitution then imposes also checks and balances so that the the three branches of government must check each other's powers to prevent from any branch becoming too powerful so that they can abuse the power that they have been given. And speaking of those checks and balances, uh, Dr. Motsecha, do you think that uh, in the South African context this is working uh, optimally? Uh, This should work optimally 
if uh, all branches of government respect uh, one another, as uh, Professor Marco has explained. But uh, I think that uh, if a challenge amongst the political parties themselves, you will know that uh, we are a multi-party democracy. Now, uh, you have a situation where political parties who cannot win positions in the public debate within the legislature run to courts and ask courts to intervene, uh, even in matters that uh, exclusively belong to the terrain of the court. For instance, the court, uh, the, the, the parliament, for instance, parliament has the power to make its own rules. Now, when you are in the process of making the rules, and then you have a political party running to the courts and challenging the rules that are still in the making, and therefore opening a parliament to intervention by the courts prematurely, and that then begins to distort the separation of powers, as uh, Professor uh, has uh, indicated. So our constitution is perfect. I think what we need to do is to get people to understand it fully and to know that each sphere of, uh, of, of branch of government must be allowed to do everything that they need to do until they finish it. And at that point when there is a product, if you are not happy with the product, then you can have records recourse to the courts to trace the unconstitutionality of the acts of parliament. But also, you will find that uh, the president himself, before he accepts to the act, uh, he can refer the act, uh, a bill back to parliament to check the constitutionality, or on his own accord, refer it to the constitutional court to check the con- uh, constitutionality. And uh, if any party is not uh, satisfied, they are free to challenge that before uh, the, the court. So this constitution is perfect and can work and must be made to work. But it means that all those who are uh, undertaking the oath to respect it must indeed respect it. And for instance, the executive is an independent branch of government. They have the right... Uh, to do their work, and they must be allowed to do their work. Now, if every time the executive tries to work, somebody runs to the court to uh, intervene, then that is actually obstructing both the executive and parliament. And I think uh, this is a phenomenon. Okay, I just want to get um, Professor Mango in on that. Yeah, I, I, I think th- there's something to what uh, 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 Dr. Monteka has just mentioned. Uh, but I want to, 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 I want to agree to him, but also raise something there. I agree that our concept of separation of powers is only 20 years old, and so it is still developing. And uh, in fact, there's no consensus even amongst the judges of the Constitutional Court themselves in terms of where where we are in terms of our separation power. So there's no consensus, particularly around how to deal with political disputes that do arise in our democracy. Uh, There is a view from some in the minority um, within the Constitutional Court that political disputes 
must be resolved politically. They must not come to court. And I think that's the correct view. That is correct. But there's also um, another view that um, where there are constitutional questions, legal questions, those must be resolved by the courts. And the courts have every right to resolve them. But at the same time, I think that the, the point that he makes, and I think this is where we, I probably differ with uh, Dr. Mosheka, and that is the, the behavior of the, some of the heads of the other branches of government, particularly the, the legislature. And let's take the point, in, in, uh, the, the current point that has recently happened in Parliament. We had a scenario in Parliament where there was um, uh, disagreements, political disagreements, let me put it that way. And uh, we had security forces that were brought into, into the House. Now, the laws governing this country allow, give the power to the Speaker to call in secu- the security forces where there are disturbances. But subsequent to that, we saw that the heads of the security forces made statements about the conduct or disturbances in the National Assembly. Now, to me, I find that to raise separation of powers problem because the Speaker of the Parliament is the spokesperson of the legislature. She is supposed to be the person who should be speaking about matters concerning the uh, Parliament and parliamentary and the conduct of members of Parliament. But I think it's, a, it's an ugly scene and it raises separation of powers um, when we begin to see scenes in the National Assembly with firearms and guns into the House. That's a place to debate issues of national uh, importance and not a place where we should be seeing um, security forces. But I, I say this with a proviso to say that, yes, where there are disturbances, their security forces can come in. But what we saw, I think, and this is a debate maybe at some point the courts will have to tell us, that the members of parliament have freedom of expression. Now, banging a desk is a form of an expression. It's a form of an expression which I think the Constitution cannot give us detail or where is the scope of freedom of expression. But we need to be very clear, I think, as to where do we draw the line uh, where we can now begin to engage the executive branch into the affairs of the National Assembly. Professor, with respect. Hello? Yes. We're listening, uh, Dr. Yes, Mazeha. Professor, with respect, all members of parliament have taken an oath to respect the Constitution, and that includes respecting the rules of parliament. Now, the Speaker presides over parliament makes a ruling, and now you have uh, some MPs refusing to accept the ruling of the Speaker, and also refusing to accept some rules of Parliament, Mm. and thereby making, obstructing the work of Parliament, forcing Parliament to adjourn. and that is a violation of both the Constitution and the rules. And now you have the, the surgeon in arms in Parliament mm-hmm. who orders them out. They refuse uh, because the surgeon in arms are not armed. Now when they refuse, you need other law enforcement agencies to get them out. And that's how the law enforcement agencies came in. 
Now, the law enforcement agencies were not speaking on behalf of the Speaker because Parliament had been hijacked uh, by MPs who uh, decided to act as hooligans. And therefore, the matter fell entirely within the scope of the enforcement agencies. They had to speak and say, what are they doing about the situation that was at hand? So I don't think that as uh, interfering or usurping the powers of Parliament, it is those MPs who had occupied Parliament illegally, forcibly, who had usurped the power of Parliament. Mm, but with regards to the question of um, the press conference that was called in the aftermath of all of this, where it was uh, members of the executive as the security cluster, as opposed to the Speaker of Parliament who actually addressed that particular situation in that briefing, does that not speak to blurring no, the you, lines? You must under- separate two things. The Speaker had to speak in respect of uh, the proceedings that were disrupted and she had to adjourn uh, parliament and her role ended there and then the uh, in law enforcement officials took place because now there was a matter of uh, public uh, uh, violence and uh, you know uh, the, the violation of the law and where law enforcement and violation of the law are concerned it is not the matter for the speaker. It's for, for the security clusters to deal with it. It's an executive matter. Where was the violence, um, uh, Dr. Motsecha? You know, when people are banging uh, tables, are making demands contrary to the rules of, of, of parliament, uh, you have a threat of violence. And uh, a threat of uh, violence is as good as violence, and that's why it's it's punishable uh, in law. And in fact, um, that provocative conduct, we have seen it in that parliament and in other jurisdictions where one set of MPs provoke others and then a fight ensues. Yeah, look, I I think if there's one principle that is very cardinal to our democracy is the principle of the rule of law that we are all bound by the rule of law we are all bound by our constitution which is supreme so every person in the republic has to obey the laws and so i agree with you that uh, even members of parliament have to play the game in terms of the rules they have to obey the, the rules there's no exceptions to that but where we don't agree, I think, is um, what is the scope of the freedom of expression of members of parliament and who has the responsibility to enforce um, the rules of the parliament. I think that the speaker of parliament, as the head of the legislature, has been entrusted and mandated with the authority to ensure that there is order in the house. And as I've mentioned, there are instances where she or he may bring in the security forces. But there has to be a balance as to when is it appropriate to bring in the security forces. And I think that is where uh, we, we may not agree as to when that is, that is the case. Firstly, you see, all members of parliament have the freedom of expression. And our presiding officers ensures that 
all of them have uh, equal opportunity to express themselves. But you see, the dispute, the political dispute in the House arose from the fact that uh, there is a report before Parliament waiting for consideration by Parliament and a resolution by Parliament on that report. And now you have uh, some members of Parliament demanding that uh, the recommendations of that report be implemented before Parliament considers the report, which is irregular, is contrary to the rules of Parliament, and uh, it's either that the members consent don't understand uh, the procedures of Parliament or they want to obstruct the work of Parliament. So uh, that this political dispute was really unfortunate because if people had observed the rules or if they don't understand the rules, asked for explanation on how the rules operate, that political dispute would not have arisen. But now the timing as to when you bring the law enforcement uh, uh, officials, I think that is a matter that... Uh, must be left in the discretion of the speaker depending on her assessment of the threat uh, to, to violence. So it's not something that anyone can prescribe from outside. Well, uh, you, you, I just uh, have to uh, bring in the callers here, 891 um, SMSs to 34701 at AM Live on SAFM for your Twitter and Facebook messages. Now, um, we're going to hear from uh, DA's uh, Chief Whip, John Steenhazen, on uh, his view on the separation of powers in relation to what happened uh, in Parliament last week with the EFF. Um, Mr. Steenhazen, thanks for your time. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on the show. So what did you make of last week's happening and especially how it pertains to the separation of powers? Well, I think there's two very separate issues that you need to look at in this regard. The first is obviously the behavior of the economic freedom fighters in the House and the disruption of Parliament. But I think we also need to look very carefully at the the root causes for it because the two can't be seen in isolation. The, The root of it was the refusal of the president to answer questions in the House. If we look at that particular problem, um, together with the behavior of the FF, we're not going to solve the problem. I do just want to issue with Dr. Mosheka's uh, analysis of the press conference by the executive uh, security cluster last week, which I think is extremely problematic and, and certainly unprecedented in our South African parliamentary democracy post-94. Uh, the guide to procedure of Parliament, as well as our convention, say very clearly that there are two people that are in charge of the parliamentary precincts, and that includes security matters, and that is the Speaker of the House and the Chairperson of the National Council of Provinces. So nobody should be telling Parliament and its presiding officers how the security arrangements are going to be major in Parliament. Uh, it is an encroachment by the executive on the uh, independence of Parliament. It's members of Parliament and expressed through our presiding officers who determine what happens on this precinct. And the executives need to understand that it's our role as the Parliament to hold them to account. It's not the other way around.
And um, I just want to run through some of the messages coming through and then uh, go to callers and, and, and do all of that. Give everybody an opportunity to weigh in in the time that we have left. But before I do that, before I do that, the DA's uh, chief whip, uh, John Stienhazen, you were still uh, making a point. So perhaps you can just complete that. Yeah, the point I want to complete is that, you know, Parliament is a forum for debate. It should be a area where ideas can be exchanged and people should not be intimidated or afraid to express these opinions and views. Once you get the executive bringing the military or police onto the precinct, it sets a very, very bad precedent and starts to suppress the arena in which debate can happen. And I don't think that's a road that we want to go, go down as South Africa. Uh, we've seen uh, already from our horrible past what happens when the uh, machinery of state, police agencies, are manipulated by the executive for political ends. And that's not a road we should be going down again in South Africa. Uh, if any, uh, what, any security on the precinct needs to be uh, enforced, it should be under the express authority of the speaker. It's only the speaker who should be speaking out about security arrangements on the precinct because that's where the power is vested. All right. Uh, 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 Sakina, uh, I think I should answer that quickly before we go to the listeners. Uh, very briefly? Yes. The view of uh, <clears throat> the EFF that the president had not answered the question did not justify disruption. That disruption was illegal, and it is also not true that the president had not answered the question because uh, the report to which he had to answer was before parliament, so it was parliament that must decide on the adequacy or inadequacy of that report. And it's not true that the executive manipulated uh, the law enforcement agencies because there was a, a violation of the law. All violations of the law uh, call in the uh, enforcement agencies. So there was not irregular on the part of the uh, state security ministers and uh, the speaker does not enforce the law. She enforced the rules of parliament and she had done her job. Okay, let me just go to what listeners are saying very quickly. And uh, let me put this to you uh, first, Professor. This is from Mzwandile Mpanza. Mzwandile says, um, mark my words, Sakina, one of these days we will see uh, chairs uh, flying in uh, Parliament. And uh, this one says, the problem, um, it's from Luandle, it says, the problem is the Westminster arrangement where the members of Cabinet are also the members of Parliament. And Cabinet Ministers are politically senior to members of Parliament, so how can they hold their seniors accountable? Well, I think just a quick answer to that is that uh, the members of cabinet who are also MPs, they are in a minority. I, I think that uh, I, I don't think that that is a problem uh, in our constitution. But before I, I, I go on, I want to just say two things. The first is that uh, where I agree with Dr. Mocheka to say that uh, MPs must not rush to court when they have political disputes. But at the same time, because I think that interferes with the parliamentary processes in terms of separation of powers. But at the same time, the, the legislature, and that is the speaker, must equally not rush to call in the security services. In other words, both the judiciary and the executive must not interfere and jury into the parliamentary processes. Because that's, to me, raises separation of powers problem. All right. I have to go to our listeners. I have to bring them in because I know we can speak amongst ourselves for the entire show. But let me start with a few SMSs. Uh, Joe in Peter Maritzburg says, but the judiciary seems to be the final arbiter. And TK says, the only threat to our democracy is the paranoia of the ANC, embarrassing tantrums that they throw when they don't want to be accountable.
Um, this one says the ANC yesterday refused to answer a question on uh, the uh, defense expenditure. What must the DA do now? Uh, do they have to go to court? Jay says uh, when the president respects the constitution, hopefully all other people will do the same too. This one unsigned says the MPs have acted as uh, hooligans. Um, they were not satisfied. A question was not answers was not answered, and people must not be economic with the truth. And uh, Trevor Nguane says, if parliamentary decorum is a cover for um, uh, chicanery, then to hell <coughs> with it. So those are some of the uh, opinions being expressed. Let's go to the lines. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero eight. Silo, you calling us from the Free State? Good morning. Good morning, How are you? Well, and you? Good. Let me just make a few points. The first one is national parliament. It's a national key point. Therefore, it also becomes the responsibility of the security cluster for them to take the security of the national key point into account. Therefore, there's nothing wrong for them to be there. Hence, 24 hours, parliament is guarded by members of the South African police service. Secondly, on the issues of uh, separation of powers, yes, indeed, members of parliament must know their place, as well as the judiciary and the executive. An issue of uh, holding the executive accountable should not lead to a disruption. If you are not satisfied, there are rules of parliament that has to be followed. The only problem here is that people must not be economic with the truth. That if you are unable to read rules of parliament or understand them, go back and ask to be clarified. Don't become clever and be disruptive and think that you are going to change the rules. Yes, there's a platform to change those rules. You can't change them by standing in parliament and being very much unruly. Okay. Lastly... Mm-hmm. Lastly, the issue that I always wanted to raise is an issue of the role of the Chapter 9 institutions, which we are saying they are accountable to Parliament. But once the report has been tabled into Parliament, my understanding is you allow a structure where you are accountable to to deliberate on the report and give you a clear direction. Now, an issue here that once the report is in the hands of Parliament, you see the public protector running the institution via media. Okay. Even before she reports to Parliament on certain issues, she would prefer to go to the media. And nobody raises this concern. I got you, Silo. I want to get an answer. We are all citizens. We are all citizens. We got you. These issues might be able to be uh, resolved. We got you, Silo. I want to get an answer before I even take more callers. Yeah. Prof, let's start with you. I, I think I think Silo is 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 correct uh, that uh, the public protector's responsibility and functions end once the report has been tabled in Parliament, and at that point, the parliamentary process starts, and one has to respect that because if one interferes with that, that itself also raises separation of powers problems. We must remember that our constitution only establishes three branches of government and not four. So any other state organ out there falls within one of those three branches of government, and mm-hmm. the public protector falls and re- is accountable to the legislature as the, as the third branch of government to report and at this stage i think that uh, it is out of line that the public protector continues now to raise these issues 
when the parliamentary process has not yet completed its course. Uh, Fakina. Uh, uh, but before you come in, Dr. Motsega, the issue of the national key point, Prof. Yes. Well, the, look, the, the point there is that the Privileges and, and Parliamentary Act, uh, which is a law that governs Parliament, says, spells out very clearly when security forces can come into the parliamentary precinct. They can come in when there's disturbances, but they have to can only come in if the Speaker requests them to come in. They cannot just come in because it is a, a national key point. There are rules that govern when they can come in. It is not, they cannot come in out of their own. Section 199 uh, of the Constitution is also very clear that uh, you, 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 the security forces also must not be politicized. They must not prejudice the political interests, legitimate political interests of political parties in terms of the Constitution. So the problem we have now is that we risk politicizing our security forces and this is a point that I am saying that we have to be very careful when we call in security forces in parliament uh, uh, Dr. Batseha the truth of the matter is that uh, the security forces have got to secure all state in, uh, institutions and parliament is one of them and is also a national key point and the security forces did not just walk into parliament there was a disruption that lasted for a long time. There were consultations between the speaker and the responsible people. So uh, it was not uh, anybody manipulating the forces or the forces taking action on their own accord. But also with regard to the child disruption, I think this disruption was also uh, prompted by the statements of the public protector saying the president had not answered her questions, whereas it was no longer in her hands to deal with the matter. The matter was in the hands of Parliament. So she acted irresponsibly by commenting on how matters that are already before Parliament should be dealt with. And I think the ESF took advantage of her view, and they thought because she expressed that view, they were right to make their demand and when the demand was not met the way they wanted it to disrupt parliament and therefore violate the law and the constitution. And uh, so uh, the intervention by the security forces was legitimate and was consistent with the law. Let's go back to the lines now. Bonagele in Cape Town, good morning. Yes, uh, a very good morning, NSK. I was I'm, I'm afraid because um, I've been holding on for too long. You understand? Uh, uh, look, one thing that I want to say here, this this parliament of this country is going to be a laughing stock because w- what is going to happen is going to be is going to be a battlefield as far as I can see. The reason I'm saying that, what are they going to do with the supporters of the ANC? We said they went to parliament to say they're going to defend their president who is being undermined. What are they saying? What is the what are their opinions with regard to that? Because if they allow the supporters of the ANC to go to the parliament to say they defend the, the, the president who is being undermined by the EFF, the, the same applies will apply with, to other supporters of those parties. So what are they going to do? What are they saying with regard to that? That's why I'm saying it is going to be the battlefield. And uh, thank you very much. 
Thank you. And also, Begiva, Dr. Begiva Mtembu saying uh, uh, there were ANC members standing at the door and banging on the door, demanding the EFF to leave. Was that not violence? And Spiwo and KZN says, did the EFF threaten the security of South Africa? ANC councillors in municipalities fight every day. Does the ANC bring soldiers uh, to uh, respond to this? Let's go back uh, to me in Cape Town. Good morning. To me? Hello. Hi, to me. Can you hear me again? Clearly. Yes. Uh, there are two points I would like to make. Uh, number one, the 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 doctor, Dr. Matreka's analysis is flawed on so many levels. I'm not even going to engage in that. I'm highly disappointed, and I say this with respect, because most of the time he's sober-minded. But on this one, he's bipartisan. Number two, yeah, in the analysis that is happening, outside media, electronic, uh, and, and, and the written ones. One thing that they are forgetting, it's a question that was asked. It was not how much you're gonna, going to pay. It was when. And I'm sure it was, um, Mr. Malima did that deliberately because he understood the processes that were there. Zuma could have said in three months, Zuma could have said in eight months, Zuma could have said in 12 months, and then the question could have been what? Answered. Instead, he used the same uh, uh, tactics that he used to do in terms of not answering the question. The question is not how much you're going to pay. It was, Mr. President, just tell us when, because we do know at some point in time you'll have to pay, as the public reporters say. Just tell us when. It could have been three, eight, or in 12 months' time. That was it. And no one even engages in that. And they are, they are, they are running towards saying, no, we are... EFF was 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 uh, was violent. Huh? EAF was undermining. And on top of that, not even the speaker, because he's so bipartisan, he couldn't understand the content of the question. Okay. When? Thank you, Sabina. Thank you so much. To me, uh, Kaya and Hoffmeyer. Good morning. Uh, good morning to your guest as well. As I said yesterday in the open line. <clears throat> Uh, I, I think I fully agree with, with Dr. Mutuecha in what he's saying. Because the issue here, people are making this thing as if it's, 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 it's something else. The issue here is the unruly behavior of the economic freedom fighters in Parliament. And that's when the Speaker had to intervene. The Speaker was saying, order, 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 honorable members, and no one was listening to her. And if you don't listen to the Speaker, who else are you going to listen to? This is very simple. You cannot allow anarchy to prevail in this country while there is a Parliament elected by the people. For the people. So my point is, Dr. Mutsecha, you were correct in your analysis in yes. saying that there is a clear separation of duties in this country. Police were the last resort. The first resort was for the Speaker to prevail in Parliament, and she was undermined. We, I don't want to speak much about the public protector issue because she's a politician. She is making us to be confused in this country. She is confusing the Constitution because she is claiming that she, she was part of the people reading the con- Constitution. But for the police, they had to come in as much as they can come in wherever there is chaos. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Lennon, Cape Town, good morning. Oh, good morning, finally. Um, two points, if I may. Um, the first is directed um, directly at Mochecha. Um, he, I, I would like to make a point that, thank God, we have got the courts. If it wasn't for the courts, with the way the ANC operate, um, we would have a dictatorship already firmly entrenched. That's number one. Number two, I want to make a suggestion to settle the impasse of Nkandla because everything stems from there. Um, Zuma quite clearly stated that uh, what was built there was not asked for. 
So my suggestion is, since we've spent 246 million of taxpayers' money, anything that he doesn't want, bearing in mind that uh, the property started with a ramshackle house with one or two pondokis, anything that he doesn't want, that he didn't ask for, why don't we spend a few more tax rands, simply flatten it, or give him the option to pay for it? That should solve the problem. Thank you so much, Len. Spiwe Lamini, rather, from Correctional Services. Good morning. Spiwe Lamini from Defence, man. Welcome. Yes, thank you very much. I just want to comment on the issue of accountability by ministers. I think it would be wrong to insinuate that uh, ministers refuse to to uh, answer questions. The questions are, are, um, um, are such that when they are organized, they are arranged in an order paper, and they are answered according to that order paper, following, and there are follow-ups that are made by members of, of, of parliament in the House. So it, 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 would be, it would be very incorrect to say that uh, some ministers, and my minister in particular of defense, refused to answer a question. That question was in an order paper, but it was down the, the, the order of, of, the, of the paper of the questions that were coming through. And she didn't refuse to answer the question. It was merely a process that was going to be followed that when she has to answer that question in particular, she will answer it. But the question was sneaked in before the time that it was supposed to have been asked by, by, the, by the member consent. So I what does that, that mean about the importance of the order of questions? Is, is, is that, you know, a make or break sort of thing? The, the order of question is a process in, in which the, 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 the ministers and, and whoever is meant to answer the questions answer it in that order. And it is the speaker or the deputy speaker or somebody chairing that would lead out that order of, of, of proceedings, and that should be followed. You cannot then therefore sneak in a question because you, 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 you want to hurry up to get to your question. You can do a supplementary to that question, yes, but before that question is asked in the order paper, it is not, you cannot do that. Okay. okay. Separation of powers. Where, we, where do we draw the line between the legislature, the executive, and the judiciary? That's what we're asking this morning. And we've got lots to respond to. Uh, Dr. Motsecha, you wanted to come in. I'm going to ask you to keep it short because I want to give uh, Prof an answer to uh, an opportunity as well before we run out of time. I'm saying that before one addresses the ANC members who came to parliament, to express solidarity with the head of state. Uh, We must also not forget the rented crowd by the EFF that uh, flooded the benches in parliament and then made noise from there. Secondly, this gentleman who says that the president only had to say when he will pay, the question is uh, that issue would arise if it does when parliament considers the report so it was premature to ask the president to answer such a question. But uh, also, Spiwe is right. The Minister of Defense uh, did not refuse to answer the question, but the DA could not control their impulse, and they were making noise, suffo- suffocating her. Uh, so she was not given an opportunity to answer the question. But uh, on that point, uh, Dr. Motsecha, did it really matter whether she answered that question at that point or whether she was going to answer it further down the line? Surely it would have been something that she could have just struck off her list and said, I have now answered that question, seeing that she was going to answer it anyway. But also, you see, follow-up questions are questions flowing from the previous question. 
Now, if people come and ask something that has nothing to do with what the sitting is about, that's another problem. Okay, let me get to Prof now. Uh, Prof, your response to the issues that were raised, um, the questions, uh, questions not being answered seems to be a big bugbear, and which, in fact, just led us to this particular situ- uh, situation. Yeah, look, I think, I think in relation to the Defence Minister's question, I think pragmatism would just demand that uh, you just answer the question there and, uh, and not necessarily have to wait. I mean, that's just pragmatism. Uh, but I, I do think that there is a point to be said about the question that was asked by the EFF member um, to the president at the time was rather a premature question in the sense that uh, that's the question that when the matter eventually comes to the full house and as well as to the ad hoc committee that has been established, those questions and the details of those questions would have to have been answered because it does, I think, raise the premature. Uh, it, it was premature to ask the fine details as to when what is going to to happen. Uh, the point that has been raised about um, ANC member supporters, you know, or or EFF supporters in the in the parliamentary present, I think we must be clear that um, it is only MPs that enjoy parliamentary privileges and not supporters of political parties. So, in terms of um, protections that may be given to people, it is only MPs that enjoy those um, privileges. But the last point that I want to make is just to emphasize the point that. Our constitution is supreme, and it requires that, and it says in there that the rule of law must reign supreme in this country, and that all MPs and every person living in this country must abide by the rule. And that means ANC members, EFF members, when they're in parliament, they must all respect the rule of law. They must all behave in the manner that is consistent with the law. You cannot ask and demand questions to be answered there and then because there has to be uh, questions have to be asked and and that's what holding the executive account means but you also have to allow for room for things to happen and so to me there seems to be not all parties' hands are clean when it comes to how the behavior. Everybody in seems has. to have missed Everybody, the boat somewhere. Exactly, we have to have tolerance in 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 the, in the house because everyone is watching what is happening, and I think that uh, the rule of law must not be forgotten. That uh, we must play by the rules. And I uh, uh, unfortunately have to end it there. Thank you so much to our guest this morning, Associate Professor Mtende Mango, who is uh, the Deputy Head uh, Dean of the School of Law at the University of Witwatersrand, and Dr. Matole Motsecha, uh, Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services. And uh, that's where we're going to leave it for this morning. And I think the best thing to say is that we just hope that, you know, sanity will prevail. Everybody Everybody will go back, read the rules, because clearly there's something amiss here. Everybody will go back, familiarize themselves with it, and um, sanity will prevail.